And for me, a big thing has always been transparency. You know, like it, too many, too many leaders hide, you know, bad news um, and try to cover things up. And I think that's just, that creates a toxic environment. Welcome to the Scale Up Bi-Weekly video series. Hi there, I'm Jerry Hu, your host for the show. I'm a people enthusiast when it comes to scaling startups. From San Francisco to Beijing, Tokyo, London to Singapore. Join me as I interview senior HR leaders, founders, and venture capitalists at Alibaba, TikTok, Amazon, Netflix, Google, OpenAI, Sequoia Capital, and many more from around the globe. We'll be diving deep into topics surrounding talent strategies, the future of work, and the remarkable stories that have led them to the pinnacle of success. My guest this week is Kevin Fitzgerald, the Managing Director of Asia at Employment Hero, an HR SaaS company with a mission to simplify and enhance the employment experience for everyone. They're continually exploring smarter ways to manage people, payroll, and productivity, particularly for small and medium-sized businesses with ambitious goals. Kevin's career journey began in accounting, taking him across different regions in EMEA and APAC. He has made significant career pivots, transitioning from accounting to sales and eventually to general management. His upbringing in a working class environment instilled a strong drive to succeed and a willingness to take risks. This has led him to actively seek opportunities for personal growth and explore life's possibilities. In this interview, Kevin shared heartfelt stories growing up, highlighting pivotal moments that lead him to where he is now. He discussed his experiences in scaling companies and offered valuable advice to fellow founders and leaders, especially in the Southeast Asia region. Lastly, he touched upon defying market norms, seizing opportunities, and identifying top talents during challenging times when hiring trends were stagnant. Okay, so let's come back to that scaling piece, right? Uh, Spamo, mm. Spamo, we've uh, you know, I've read it, uh, right? On the, it's on the news. Uh, like what, what would you know? Maybe the lessons learned, right? Yeah, I think that I think the lessons learned are, you mm. know, I think when and I think when there's high growth and high expectations, mm. um, like th- that can be a very challenging environment at the start. You know, like and you know the business raise it's almost 100 million dollars like that that money comes with a lot of pressure and expectations um and also when you have that amount of capital it also feels like you you can say yes to everything and every decision and that can that can actually trip you up pretty quickly because you know you feel on top of the world and you know you can feel like you know money money can solve a lot of things um but I think um, I, I think a big lesson from it is like sequencing growth. Yeah, mm. like you, you know, it's, you could speak to someone. And, yeah, yeah, and actually sequencing it really well. So country expansion, product expansion, like you really have to think through the implications of saying yes. Um, and a, a lot of I speak to a lot of startup founders in Singapore, especially, and they they just have this burning desire to immediately go overseas. Mm. And I actually think it's the number one failure of, of startups who try and stretch themselves too far. Interesting. Too okay. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, they 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 kind of are like, oh, the Talk market's more. so big oh. here, the market's so big there, and even even at zero, we we looked at different countries, but mm. the reality is, Singapore is the most sophisticated country in terms of tech in the region. Mm. It's actually got the healthiest uh, opportunity in terms of um, buying power and uh, willingness to pay for software. Mm. So it could be easy to look at Indonesia. Malaysia, Philippines, and look at the population and the volume of SMEs. But for me, I look at the sophistication of the potential customer. Like, what what are they using? Many tech products already. What is the is there is there support from the government? Right, Singapore government is is unbelievable in its support for SMEs digitizing. Um, and also a very good question. I always say to startup founders is. Let's let's use Indonesia as an example. Um, mm. The question I ask a lot of founders is, um, tell me three uh, tech startups that have scaled profitably and successfully into Indonesia from outside, and mm. tell me three that have scaled profitably and sustainable um, from Indonesia, in Indonesia or outside, and mm. they struggle. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think there's that many. Um, so that can be a that can be a real red herring, you know, for for a lot of people, and it it frustrates me sometimes because I hear you know inexperienced people saying, "Oh, you have to go overseas and you have to do this," and why like Singapore is too small. And as soon as I hear that, I feel like they're just copying from someone else that said it. They don't actually understand what they're talking about. Um, and I think that's a that's a big thing for any any company in the region. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, refreshing to hear as well. Uh, maybe my follow up question is that so, so you know because it's a little bit on the talent side of things. Anything related to like HR talent? Uh, you know, uh, people and culture side of things. Uh, you you know the lessons and learned or maybe some of the regrets. Yeah. Yeah, I think this goes all all throughout my career. Like, which was started in nineteen ninety nine. I think um, you know, it's it, it can be difficult, but you know, choosing a manager is a big thing. You know, like as you're interviewing for roles and um, like you could work in a great company, but maybe have not a great manager. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's, it, that one is sometimes out of people's control. But like if you if you meet someone, a great manager, I think, you know, really, really like uh, understand that and respect it and figure out like great ways to learn from them and, and figure it out. And the reason why I say this is because like my first manager, in the accounting firm taught me so much like it's you know i still the skills and the knowledge around business that he taught me i still use today um i think when hiring them um i always find interviews are, are really interesting and potentially flawed um and for these reasons um an interview is obviously about selling yourself you know both parties a lot of companies don't sell themselves. They just tell people, you know, what the, the job is. Um, and I think you do need, a, a you know, a couple of interviews certainly to try and understand who is the individual that's applying for the role because everybody can come in and say, I can do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, everything that you need. Um, 
and 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 that's a risk right like there's a lot of risk in interviewing so you can never really tell for certain if if the person can deliver all these things right um usually only find out at reference check um but reference checks no one gives no one no one gives a referee that's going to say bad things about them right <laughs> so the whole thing is is kind of flawed so a lot of my interviews and when I'm uh, meeting people and hiring is is quite a personal conversation, you know, around where they've come from, what they've done, why they do these things, why they make certain decisions, um, how they act in stressful situations. Um, I asked them about who their, their best manager was and I asked them about what their team would say about them. So that's less about the tasks and the work that they do and more around the individual and I think that's really, really important to figure that out when you're uh, interviewing someone. Yeah. Hey, but what about a spammo, right? When things went bad, uh, like uh, in the people and culture side of things, right? Any anything that you felt like you could done better, whether no, it's you know let people go or yeah. Yeah, look, I think letting people go is, is part of business. Um, that was the right decision at the right time. You know, so. Um, Nothing specifically with Spenmo. I think it happens in every com company. Yeah. Uh, but then maybe any like uh, you know, sort of like really good practices. Uh, as a as a as a so sort of like a, a people manager, right? That that standpoint, uh, or leadership practice. Uh, mm -hmm. or maybe a zero. Um, that you felt like, uh, just yeah, like like you would love to share with the fellow listeners or founders, whoever is listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Business leaders. Yeah, I think I think any 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 leader needs to realize that their the job is actually to teach people how to do their job better, you know, and give them the tools, give them create processes and systems that they can actually really, you know, achieve their goals. Um, and for me, a big thing has always been transparency. You know, like it, too many too many leaders hide, you know, bad news, um, and try to cover things up and. I think that just that creates a toxic environment for for a couple of reasons. One, people know when a leader is covering something up. You know they can they can tell. Um, and the second reason is transparency actually brings out I think the best in people. You know, like I can I can I I can sit down with my team and say, this is not going well. How are we going to fix it? What do we need to do? short term, mid term to ensure that this is resolved. And, you know, the only reason why those conversations would come around because we're transparent around what's going well and what's not going well. You know, a lot of companies are just want to tell the employees good news. Um, and that can create an environment where then employees are like, well, everything's working great and we're doing well. Like, I don't need to push myself here. You know, like, you know, it's, you know, what I'm doing is, is, is I'm being told is really good, but like, if I think if business leaders were more open around challenges and gave smart people the opportunities to get involved in the solution, that's how you create a great team environment and a, an even stronger company. Uh, that's great. Any, so like a follow-up question. So mm. besides the transparency, uh, anything unique about your leadership style that you can think of? Uh, yeah. I and think, what, where, think, where yeah. Does, how does that connect with your uh, sort of your personal background? Yeah. 
Yeah, like it, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't pull any punches in how I talk, but that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, brazen or like over the top. Like I speak very, like uh, bluntly. You know, I don't try and, I don't try and like sugarcoat things, and mm-hmm. like that comes from a working class background. You know, like that's how people talk and communicate to each other, and everybody understands and respects it. Um. Mm-hmm. But when you get into a different environment or a different region, like when I moved to Australia or moved to Singapore, um, you know, that style of communication can be quite, you know, received very differently, even though I've not done anything different. So something that's worked for me previously may not work, you know, here or Australia. Um, oh, even in Australia? Yeah, oh. like I think it's just a, I think it's just the style. Australians yeah. are the most direct person <laughs> population of men. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, maybe it's just a it, it's communication is an art okay. and a craft. Yeah, you know, like and and Irish people are known to be great storytellers, and um, we've got a lot of history and arts and culture is really big. So, um. We like to talk, you know, and because we like to talk, we tend to talk quick and to the point. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely that, that that part of me has evolved and changed because it needed to be, you know, like I can't expect local markets to change to fit me. That would be crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a that's a big thing that I found I've had to change over the years, dependent on the country or the situation or the environment that I'm in. Yep. So interested here, how do you change? Um, so you change by listening. Yeah, like it's, it's, it can be, I think it can be an easy error to make if you move country or industry or, you know, you're in a different situation and you just continue to act and be the same. Um, and I'm very self-aware and, and this could be been in the working class environment again. Like, you know, sometimes I got into difficult situations and I had to get myself out or I stumbled into a, an area that was a bit more dangerous than where I should have been. And like, you've got to listen and be like hyper aware of what's going on around you to make sure that you, you know, well, you get out of there safely. Right. Um, so I think uh, it's but- an innate, street yeah. skill yeah so so you know this is actually a huge topic right so mm. so you know there's always like something innate within us right but at the same time you know we need to adapt to whether different cultures different style like how do you find that balance you know because you also don't want to just change yourself right you mm. want to show yeah. them that you're authentic this is uh, who you are but at the same time like in southeast asia there's a lot of ambiguities people right and uh, in many countries like Vietnam, they're very super polite, right? It's just completely mm. different in terms of how do you manage people. So the question is that how do you find that balance? Like this is actually not 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 easy. Uh, you yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, look, it's it's difficult, and I don't know anyone that could confidently say that they've got it right. But I think what you have to do is try, and and like being really aware. And, and listening is, is really important and you ask like how do how do people how do people do this it's it's having that you know moment in time to pause and remind yourself and say okay i'm going into a different environment here you know you know i need to not act differently i need to communicate slightly differently they're two very different things yeah like i don't think i ever act differently but i definitely definitely communicate differently and 
um, that's just a, that's it becomes a habit. Like it really has to be something that you build as a skill. <clears throat> cool. Um, yeah. So so let's shift gears. Let's talk about the last portion, right? Which mm. is kind of like uh, uh, you know, the future of work. Uh, and then you you you. Know, you brought up uh, this interesting topic about uh, kind of pay, right? Mm. Uh, I, I was recently with the, in the, the conference as well that, uh, you know, so so there there is this rewards expert, Dr. Diaz. I don't know if you know him. So so he's uh, he we used to be like a, a like a, a, a you know Willis Towers, a, a senior mm. partner. Uh, anyway, he was just saying that. Um, so you know there are many other pillars of HR has gone through serious transformations. Uh, unfortunately, rewards has always stayed the same. Uh, uh, rewards meaning you know, not not just compensation, right? Compensation benefits and total rewards. Uh, mm. it, that people n- never think about, like the thing you mentioned as well, right? Like how do you get paid? Uh, you know, uh, timely, right? It's it's this old philosophy, like you have to get paid in in you know thirty days monthly basis, and then yeah. there are many other things that that you know you you always talk about. Uh, when you're th- when you're thinking about kind of uh, you know upgrading my remuneration uh, you know policies, you're always focusing on base salary or cash. But these yeah. days, there's so many other things to play around. Uh, and then you know we're also in the in the in the world of DeFi, right? When yeah. when people are literally do not work for everybody, they're flex mm. pay. They you know they are getting paid by cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, interesting, you know, maybe topic around kind of the rewards, the trends that you've seen, and then maybe, you know, uh, what, what are you guys offering these days? Yeah, we look, I guess our, you know, our big mission is to become the, the largest employment platform in the world. And, <clears throat> you know, it falls into a few categories because we really feel like we're solving employment for a range of things that happen with the relationship between the employee and the, the employer. So from the employer perspective, yes, we build software that covers payroll and HR and it's world class. It's it's been around a long time and um the the features and tools and workflows that are in there are great for the SME. Yeah. But nobody in our space has ever thought about, well, who's interacting with the company? What about the employee? And many have tried to solve for benefits and rewards by a B2C direct to consumer route. Um, but to give you some perspective, we we have 300,000 SMEs that use our platform. We have more than 2 million employees that are on our platform because they are employees of our clients and they use the employment hero Swagger. And we process over $80 billion of payroll every year. So we actually have an opportunity with our buying power and the mechanics of the employment system to really change it. And, you know, you said it, you said it well, like, you know, talk about like payday and change in payday. We want to, we want to abolish month end payday. It's, 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 it's an antiquated old system where an individual works for, you know, four weeks and gets paid at the end. Like that is quite a long time to go without being paid cash flow. Whereas an individual has got to pay bills weekly. They have weekly commitments. They might even have daily commitments depending on their earning cycle. Um, And we want to change that. And we want to really bring 
together um, the ability for the technology to show us if, say, an employee has finished a shift or finished a day at work. We can see that through our system and their boss or their manager or leader can approve it. And we, we have the ability to pay them straight away because our swag app is operates and it has, has an e-wallet, you know, as the center of it. Um, so we're already seeing um, over 30,000 downloads of our swag app on a weekly basis because now we've opened it up to not only employees of our clients, but everybody in the general public that is a job seeker um, and wants to use the app for whether it's discounting or they want to use it for job applications and we keep seeing opportunities evolve like as the as the technology builds out and, and one of the one of the AI features that we that we've released is called smart match so if say Jerry yourself you say with job seeking you, you download swag um, you don't have to be connected to a client of ours to download but you can apply for jobs because we've consolidated all of our clients open advertisements onto our, onto our platform and if you apply um, for a role or they find you, and I can explain this, when, when a customer, so imagine a F&B restaurant, you know, 500 people needs a HR leader. They log into Employment Hero. They go to the organizational chart and they start to uh, create a job opening. We know where they're looking and they click on HR leader and we pull in talent from the swag app and say, well, you can hire or meet some of these people straight away. So one, the employer doesn't even have to post the job advertisement. They don't even have to wait for applications to come through. And this is all costly. Like they need someone today. Um, and once they connect with an employee through the swag app, we can help them onboard the employee because we have all the employee's personal details and set them up on payroll in less than two minutes. Um, so that's it. That is a game changer because a lot of a lot of technology companies in our space have been building payroll only or HR only, um, but we're actually bringing it all together in one, and that will solve employment for a lot of SMEs. Okay. I have one last question here, right? Mm. So I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, Employment Hero is, uh, is uh, I don't know enough, right? But so far, what I've gathered on LinkedIn is that you guys did not stop at all, right? No. Even though others <laughs> were like, you know, we're going to freeze hiring, we're going to lay out people, you guys just keep continuing and hiring more, right? How's that experience like, especially in this market, right? Like, uh, you, you know, obviously you get access to, uh, you know, uh, probably tremendous talented people, right? Uh, and then uh, so many applications, sometimes people are overwhelmed. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you 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 probably also face the pressure uh, from, you know, I don't know, the, the board or the investor or the, right, even the competitors when they are right, uh, pretty much taking cautious uh, steps, right? Like deal or, you know, even multiplier, uh, mm. right? And then you, you keep going on, uh, uh the, yeah interesting to hear about your perspectives on this yeah look and and you know deal and multiplier are definitely not competitors of ours like you know i think um they're very focused on employer of record which yeah we we also provide that but it's only 
ten percent of our our platform. Um, oh, we're, the breadth okay. the breadth of our platform is way way made more. Um, so one, how do we feel? Very fortunate, right? Like very, we we still say grounded. Like I think the people we hire are level headed. Um, the ability to execute in a tough market is is just inside employment hero. Everybody is just like on top of what they need to do. Um, and I think we'll look back in a few years and say one of the reasons why we were growing so successfully in a period where many tech companies um, yeah. were really failing is great product, world-class unit economics, and a world-class team. And, you know, I can feel that now on the business and the people we hire, we're, we're in a situation where there is amazing talent in the market, you know, and they want to join us because they see the story, they believe in the success. And, you know, we're, we're really only getting started. You know, it's great. We've been valued at, as a $2 billion company in Australia. We think, we think we can be a $50 billion company. That's great. Uh, but maybe just one last follow-up question, right? Mm. Do you find that uh, it's easy? Or, you know, to, to be honest, right? That people tell, yeah, it's, you know, good, uh, good market, bad market. Like I have so many applicants, but it's still hard, right? Because there's still this gap that or finding somebody that's suitable for you, right? Whether it's mm. a crowded market or a tight labor market. Do you also feel the same? Yeah, we, we do, but we, we've been using our own tools. So we've been using Smart Match, Employment Hero, and, and Swag to <laughs> That's to good. Find Smith. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you gotta you gotta hiring is such a challenge, even in a good market, bad market. So you gotta use the right tools. And you know, I see companies, they advertise a job, it just looks so basic and vanilla. It's like roles, responsibilities. You know, like it's really, I think for us, like um, people see who we've hired. They also see the excitement in the teams. They see our teams been very active outside in the market, like on social media and at events. And there's an attraction to employment here. Um, but it's still still difficult, you know, like and there's a lot of people that want to, to work for us. Like a, an example would be we recently hired a head of marketing in Singapore we had 2,100 applications. Yeah. So that in itself is a great problem to have, but that's a lot of CVs to go through. Um, but we used our system and our screening questions and the AI to like whittle that down to, I think, maybe 50 people. Yeah. And then we worked back from there. So here are the key takeaways for me. Our approach to hiring during challenging times is more than just numbers. It's about strategy. It's not about acting differently. It's about how you communicate differently. This is the key to uphold a transparent culture across different regions and cultures. During a company's hyperscaling period, I recommend sequential growth, growing in sequence from markets to products to people, rather than go all out, all at once. Thank you so much for watching or listening to the Scale Up episode this week. If you haven't already, definitely check out the bi-weekly newsletter I shared on the podcast description with detailed write-ups of this interview. Also, feel free to give me a rating or a comment 
if you have any feedback for the show as well. See you in the next episode.